On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we preview KU basketball's season Big 12 opener against the TCU Horned Frogs on Saturday. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcasts, including on our YouTube page. Like and subscribe to our actions. You're finding everything there. Thank you to everydayers tuning in to all of our content and checking out plenty of the other Locked on Network content. We're previewing Kansas TCU for our Jayhawks preview show on today's episode of the show. It's the Big 12 season opener for KU against the Horn Frogs in Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Hear the game on 105.9 KISS. First, this episode of the show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. So we'll start with our overview, top storylines, get into our TCU scouting report, matchups of the game, and Hawks the sore that we think can have a uh, big game for KU in this one. Let's start with our top storylines. Number one is just you go back to last year's game, TCU housed KU in Lawrence. Now, uh, TCU has had a couple – feels like whenever TCU beats Kansas, it's like a very notable game, right? There was the Topeka YMCA game where Kansas is going on that losing streak with Jeff Withey and Ben McElmore, and uh, you get the comments from Bill Self after the game. Then you get the 2017 Big 12 quarterfinal game where Josh Jackson was suspended. You get last year where you lose – by a big 23 points year before I think it was you lost at TCU in a game that they kind of blew you out as well and KU was kind of limping to the finish line obviously ended up winning the national championship uh in the the end of the big 12 regular season and uh after the game TCU that was a game too that Jalen Wilson went off but nobody else could do anything for the KU offense uh TCU like took a ball from the game from KU and they were unhappy about it. KU ends up going back to Fort Worth, winning the game and Dewan Harris just like nabs the ball and takes it away. So, you know, there's a lot of different players like Mike Miles, no longer there. Damian Baugh, no longer there, but there are enough current ones that are still there for TCU and enough current ones still at KU that there's a little bit of, of a fun agitation aspect to this game, maybe between the two teams. Uh, so, that kind of adds intrigue. Clearly, TCU not going to be afraid to come into the moment after what they did last year. It's obviously the start of Big 12 play. That's the case for both these teams. That's the case for the entire conference here with the Big 12, that this will be the start of league action. It's an incredibly difficult slate in the Big 12. You can check out our Big 12 preview from earlier this week with Locked on Jayhawks, where we kind of go over a brief summary of what every team has done so far and how many good teams there have been to this point in the conference. It is uh, pretty incredible how loaded the league has been. And for KU specifically, at the start of Big 12 play, you have to do some real work to open things up here in conference action because things are going to get very difficult over the last 10. Now, who's to say that a couple of the teams KU plays in the last 10 don't end up being, you know, not very good or or maybe teams that you thought were going to be better than they actually end up being. But again, this is the last 10 games from February 3rd on. So the start of February on for KU, their schedule versus Houston. That's number one in Ken Palm at Kansas State. Tough place to play versus Baylor 15th in Ken Palm at Texas Tech. Tough place to play top 40 in Ken Palm at Oklahoma. Top 30 in Ken Palm uh, versus Texas. 
talented team versus BYU, top five in Ken Palm, at Baylor, uh, top 15 in Ken Palm, versus Kansas State, and then at Houston, number one in Ken Palm. That is a very difficult final 10 games. So you look at this first eight games versus TCU, at UCF, versus Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State, at West Virginia, versus Cincinnati, at Iowa State, and versus Oklahoma State. You only have one game, according to Ken Palm, in that stretch that is even below 68% of your chance to win. It's the Iowa State game. That game, they get, you're given just a 40% chance to win. The other games are all 68% or higher. You, I think, need to, if you want to win a Big 12 title, if the number is 13 or 14 wins, I think minimum you got to probably go 6-2 and two in the first eight games. Realistically, you probably have to go 7-1. and one. I think that's the mark I would really look at here, uh, depending if it is 13 or 14. If you go 8-0, I think you're feeling good about even though – that backstretch of the season could be really tough, and, and that'll be kind of the goal to get to, which means, you know, definitely got to win this game. The last big storyline coming into this one for me, what to make of that five through nine? We've known for a while now that KU basketball has a really good one through four, arguably the best one through four in the country when you look at having, you know, four starters that you feel really good about with Hunter Dickinson, KJ Adams, Dewan Harris, and Kevin McCuller. But it's trying to develop that five through nine, and, and really it's, it's five through nine minus Parker Brown. Like Parker Brown is developed. Parker Brown is what it is. He is your backup center. He might only play two minutes in the game. He might play eight minutes. He might play 10. He's giving you fine minutes as a backup center. He he is what he is in a good way. Um, it's developing those, the the five through nine guards. Uh, Marco Jackson, Jamari McDowell, Nick Timberlake, and uh, Johnny Furphy. Furphy was really aggressive last game, which was nice to see. They weren't all falling, but I think that's a good sign of things to come. It's a good process, at least. Uh, Marco Jackson, I think, is coming off his best game as a Jayhawk. Does that carry over into this game? Nick Timberlake, meanwhile, had one of his worst games as a Jayhawk, but that was after one of his best games as a Jayhawk with Yale, and Bill Self said that he had an excellent week of practice after the Yale game. So uh, what does that kind of look like in continuing to develop that? Now it's a new season with Big 12 play. Maybe that allows players like Nick Timberlake to just flush everything that's happened from a negative perspective in their mind and be like, hey, we're starting over here, starting with this one. As far as the TCU scouting report, they've gone 11-2 and two to this point in time. Their uh, best wins so far have been against Arizona State by 20. They beat Hawaii by 14. Hawaii's got a, a solid squad so far this year. Um, and Hawaii's ranked uh, 137th in Ken Palm. Arizona State, for what it's worth, is 113th. They also beat Georgetown, who's ranked 183rd. They beat them only by a point. Those are their only top 200 wins to this point. It doesn't mean they're not good. They just haven't really been challenged. Uh, they are ranked 34th on Ken Palm, but yeah, only two top you know, 200 games. They've only played uh, or top 100 wins, top 200 wins. They've only played two top 100 opponents, and both of those were losses. They lost on a neutral site to Clemson, who's 24th on Ken Palm, by eight points, and they lost on a neutral site to Nevada, who's 39th in Ken Palm, by 13 points. So that hasn't been great. Every other win for them outside of the top 200, and their schedule ranking is uh, not very good, to say the least. It is uh, 346th in the country. So uh, this will be a much different challenge for them, and it's hard to say too much because you look at some of the individual stats, and I, I will tell you what on paper they've done well and what they won't here in a second, but keep in mind that they've been doing a lot of it against very bad competition, so a lot of it is going to look better than maybe it actually is. But so far, what they've done well – offensive and defensive rebounding. They've been really good at that, and that adds up and makes sense. That's something they've done well the past couple of years, and they've got a very athletic team. Um, they have been even better in offensive rebounding for what it's worth. Top 20 there, top 60 in terms of defensive rebounding. Uh, the two-point offense has been really good for them. Again, makes sense. Length, athleticism, they're finishing inside. They've actually been a really good passing team. You know, KU's number one in the country in assist to field goals made. TCU's 18th, so this has been a really good 
team that, that shares the ball as well and, and kind of a balanced offense. Uh, they get a lot of steals. They force a lot of turnovers with their athleticism. They get in transition. They'll play fast. And they're one of the best tempo and transition teams in the country. Overall, just kind of solid on the defensive side of the ball. And again, that goes back in line with, I think, some of the athleticism stuff. What they don't do well, they have not been great at avoiding turnovers. To this point in time, they're 168th in the country in turnover rate offensively. They're 197th in the country in steal rate offensively so you know they are prone to that a little bit they don't shoot many threes 340th in the country in basically their three-point rate in terms of the amount that they're taking and they haven't shot them well either 32.8 percent although that's basically below average 199th you know all things considered like you compare that to last year they shot 31 percent 330th in the country so they've been better at it than they were last year but still this team is very similar to where they were last year very athletic team Quick guards, athletic wings, some bolstering big men. Don't shoot a ton of threes, but they do a lot of other things well. Uh, the personnel, Avery Anderson, transfer from Oklahoma State. Jameer Nelson Jr., transfer from Delaware. Both of them are scoring guards that don't really shoot it well, but they will take them. Uh, between 9 and 11 points per game for both of them, both shooting in the 20% from three-point range. Both of them will kind of alternate at the point guard position and give them fresh legs because of you know how much they're running. Travion Tennyson is certainly a guy to watch that can come in and make a lot of threes. He's shooting 44% from three. You have to stick with him on the offensive side of the ball. He hasn't been a great defensive player, though. Emmanuel Miller has mostly been playing on the wing this year. He's getting 16 points, six rebounds, three assists on 51, 36, 84 shooting splits. When we did our Big 12 preview, I had him on my all-Big 12 team uh, coming into – from non-conference play into conference play. been really impressed with it. He does. They have a ton of lengthy wings that can play the three and the four. Micah Peavy, 11.5 points, five rebounds, three and a half assists per game. He's good at the rim. He's their best defender by defensive BPR. Bill Self said that he's about as good as he's seen in transition, grabbing and going. So that's something to watch for, former Texas Tech player. Same with Kevin McCuller for KU. Chuck O'Bannon is another one of those long wings, seven points per game. He's a long wing that can shoot threes, 41% from three. Jacoby Coles will play the uh, wing for them, 11.5 points, 5.5 rebounds per game. He's having a 48-39-74 shooting splits. Uh, you'll play some Miller on the wing, and even some Xavier Cork will play the four. He'll play the five, too, but you know, five points, three rebounds per game, almost 70% from the floor, and then Cork will play the five. They kind of rotate three guys between Cork, Ernest Uday, former Kansas Jayhawk, four and a half points per game, five and a half rebounds per game. He's coming off a really excellent performance in his last game with a double-double, and he's shooting 60% from the floor in 15 minutes. And then a bit of uh, Assam Mostafa, who's 6'9", 250. So they have a lot of uh, power at the center position. Basically, big, powerful centers, fast guards, and athletic long wings. They will run. They'll try to wear you out. They'll try to out-physical you, get rebounds, out-tough you. And uh, that'll bring us into our matchups of the game after this quick break with this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 back in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different things that you can bet on. You can bet on spreads. You can bet on money lines. You can bet on futures, live same-game parlays, 
even find bets in the new explore tab or make a parlay in the parlay hub the best way to find popular parlays you can bet on KU to win the national championship they're going off at 15 to 1 right now you can bet them to uh make the final four that's plus 350 you can bet on them to win the big 12 even if they get a share it counts they're plus 230 there so check it out fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup fanduel official partner of the nfl matchups of the game we'll get to a couple team matchups then a player matchup and then we'll finish up with hawks the sore players we think can have good games in this one for ku our first matchup of the game is playing physically and dealing with physicality this goes to a lot of different things, right? It goes to rebounding. You got to be physical to be able to win rebounds, especially against a team who does that very well. This goes to inside scoring. You have to be able to score tough and hit layups through contact. It goes to inside defense, you know, staying tough on that end of the floor. It goes to mental toughness even too, right? When you have a team who's playing as hard as TCU does, it's going to test your mental toughness. And as the game goes on and maybe you start to wear down a little bit, it's going to test your mental side of things. Can you push through? All of that becomes apparent in this game. TCU is top 20 in offensive rebounding rate, top 60 in defensive rebounding rate. They're top 20 in two-point percentage on offense. They force turnovers. They get steals at a top 15 rate in the country, and they're solid inside and at blocking shots. They do a lot of those things well. They're a physical, tough team. TCU gets a ton of second-chance points, too, which – you know, that, that feels like a tough factor to me. They're getting 14 second chance points per game. They're also getting almost 19 points off turnovers per game and 42.4 points in the paint per game. Those are all calling cards for them. Can you match their physicality? You have to match that. You have to match the mental toughness in this game if you want to win this game. And certainly coming off what they did when they won in Lawrence last year, they were the tougher team. But you, I think, Match that physicality and toughness when you went down to Fort Worth and you won the game last year. Number two, will either team get hot with the old jump shot? Because neither team has been a great jump shooting team, though. I think Kansas has been a little underrated in their three-point shooting so far. Um, I know I've talked about this a lot, and I, I certainly still think you know they, they need more, but I think uh, it, it comes a little bit from the volume because the biggest thing that I'm looking for with the shooting is our teams respecting the shooting that's opening up the spacing for the inside. Well, KU's shooting okay from three right now, but teams still aren't respecting it fully, so they're still condensing in the paint. KU shooting 38.4% from three this year, but if you take out the first two games, that would mean over their last 11 games, Kansas is at 35.9%. That's actually still better than I would have thought, certainly, but it is, again, low volume. Kansas actually has the advantage from three against TCU. TCU at just 32.8% from three, also on low volume, even lower than KU. TCU, though, has the advantage in mid-range shooting in this game. Kansas has been a bad mid-range shooting team to this point in time on uh, shots that are pure mid-range. So inside the three-point arc, but outside anywhere in the paint or in the lane. 34% on mid-range twos so far for KU. Then on shots that are in the paint, in the lane, but not at the rim, they're only shooting 38%. TCU in those same situations they're shooting 43% on both, 43% on mid-range twos, which ranks in the 88th percentile in the country. So they're one of the best teams in the country at mid-range twos. And they're also shooting 43% on in the paint, but not at the rim twos, which is in the 75th percentile. So they've been the much better mid-range shooting team. You've been the better three-point shooting team. But basically, that means KU 
total it up is shooting 36% on non at the rim twos. TCU's at 43%. So again, advantage there. Keep in mind, Kansas has given up one of the highest mid-range rates in the country defensively, meaning that um, in terms of the percentage of shots that are being taken against the defense, one of the highest totals is against the Kansas defense, meaning that Kansas typically has been fine with teams taking mid-range shots. I think that makes sense. They're playing, you know, you might play drop coverage with Hunter Dickinson, a big like that. So you're basically saying, hey, we're going to try to stop threes and we're going to try to stop shots in the paint. We'll let you have the shots kind of in the middle. In a game like this, because teams have only shot 32% on those shots against KU coming into this matchup, is TCU able to exploit that more than a lot of other teams have done? That'll be something I'm certainly watching for. Number three is transition defense. Most games lately, we've talked about KU's transition offense and KU having the advantage in transition and scoring more on the fast break and so on. But in this game, it's more about the other side of transition. It's about KU's transition defense, getting back and making sure you have numbers there. Because if they out-hustle you, they're going to score. TCU comes in with the edge on paper. They're in the 99th percentile. So, you know, very, very small number of teams in the country that score better for them in transition points per game. 21.4 transition points per game. KU's been a good transition team, too, for what it's worth. 14.6 transition points per game. That's in the 93rd percentile. So you have 99th percentile, 93rd. That is crazy to me, though, how big the gap is there. You know, you're only talking, again, 99th percentile, the 93rd percentile, yet they're getting seven more transition points per game, which shows how dominant they've been in that situation. Um, so, I mean, more than a quarter of TCU's points per game this year are coming from fast break points. You have to get back in transition or they will kill you there. If you make this a half-court game, that benefits Kansas. Our player matchup is Hunter Dickinson versus the big centers and Ernest Uday. Uday, obviously, the former Kansas player. Hunter Dickinson comes in. Uh, he says, you know what? I don't know how much playing time I'm going to get. I'm going to transfer out. The irony in all of that is he's playing 15 minutes per game at TCU. If he would have stayed at Kansas, it would probably be less than that. I'd imagine that he'd be getting, I don't know, like – He'd probably be getting more than Parker Brown would be getting because at that point, Bill Self would be like, we got to get this guy on the court. We'll just play Hunter 28, 30, 32 minutes per game. So you'd get an 8 to 12. I don't know. Maybe even they'd play times uh, of Uday next to Dickinson. I know it almost sounds ridiculous, but uh, let's not forget, Bill Self at one point had starting lineups with Dave next to Doak, and he also had starting lineups with Lynn and Lucas next to Doak. So honestly, they might have played together for a handful of minutes per game, and he might have still got 15 minutes per game at Kansas. Nonetheless, Uday has had – uh, an okay start to the year for, for TCU, considering they're using three centers. Like if, if he was getting more minutes per game, the numbers would obviously look better. He's second, though, on the team in defensive BPR on Evan Miakawa's website. But he's coming off a really big game that makes you wonder if things are starting to click for him now. Again, on the air of four and a half points, five and a half rebounds per game. He just had a 13.18 rebound game. So if Ernest Uday is starting to figure it out, that becomes an even more interesting matchup. But either way, they'll rotate three big men, and they've got three solid enough ones. I think Hunter Dickinson has a bit of the hype matchup there, but this is a matchup, you know, KU certainly needs to win because if you're talking about, hey, you want this to be a half-court game to keep them out of transition, well, you're going to be throwing the ball in the post more in those half-court situations. And maybe TCU, because they have the litany of big men, is less inclined to help in the post, and it gives more opportunities for Hunter Dickinson. So that'll be a very interesting matchup uh, in this game. And then on the other side of the ball, you know, guards are going to be running into the paint. Uh, Hunter Dickinson's going to have his hands full in this game on the defensive side of the ball. All right, let's finish up with our Hawks to soar players to watch for KU basketball in this episode of Locked on Jayhawks.
First, we are brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite sporting event or music event, comedy event, theater event, it should not be stressful. With killer last-minute deals on tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to be having. Game Time has flash deals, last-minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. They have images of the seat views, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. Right now, you can go on Game Time and get tickets for the KUTCU game. I'm seeing tickets for $56. You can get them even cheaper for that if you haven't signed up because you can snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On College for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Hawks, the sore players, I think, can have a big game in this one. Well, when you look at TCU on their side of the ball, where do they give up their most shots? Where do teams most often get shot attempts against them? It's at the rim, and it's corner threes. So if you're looking at those two things, who takes a lot of corner threes on KU? Well, it's a lot of those guys we were talking about in the the five through nine discussion. Nick Timberlake, Johnny Furphy, you know, Kevin McCuller gets a good amount there. Uh, Kevin, though, is going to have the difficulty of, of maybe dealing with Micah PV and, and some of those athletic wings that they have on their side of the ball. So I, I think this actually could be a big game for Johnny Furphy. He showed he was aggressive in the Wichita State game. I think he's going to get some looks and maybe even Nick Timberlake. Those guys are going to get some open looks in the corner. It's just about will they knock them down at a proficient enough rate and will either one or both be able to do that. I also think when you look at the uh, shots, they've given up a good amount of shots at the rim, despite having you know all the athleticism in the world and everything. I do think Kansas is going to go often to Hunter Dickinson. You want to make it a half court game. Uh, I think you try to get it to him inside. So officially my pick Johnny Furphy and Hunter Dickinson would be the two that I'm kind of circling here at Hawks to soar for KU against TCU. Though I do think this is a, Tough matchup for Hunter on the defensive end of the floor. I think he'll be very involved on the offensive side. And who knows? Maybe uh, you do a thing where you have to switch KJ on somebody. I I don't know. I don't know. But that'll be very interesting to watch. All right. That's been Locked on Jayhawks for today. We'll be back for a KUTCU recap. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you're subscribed or uh, checking out our podcast anywhere you get your podcast. See you next time with Locked on Jayhawks.